Yeah. Okay, we began uh, last night, one of the rare shirim now, we're not going to give out Mamakemis because I just want to go through a small sampling of cases we'll have more later on, but just the three that were sent by this therapist who was uh, very much professional with the program, trying to balance the needs of the patient and needs in terms of the emotional needs and his spiritual needs and the analogy I gave last night, night I believe is like crucial a few people commented afterwards I never looked at it that way the, for those of you who were here or listening the boss often does things that are not perfectly to your liking and sometimes he's right sometimes he's wrong sometimes he says things that could have been said in a better way perhaps in a softer way and most people manage quite well and have figured out quite quickly that they still know how to be mechabed their boss and smile and even uh, build a relationship, nurture a relationship because they know that it's good for them. Okay, shalei l'shma or l'shma or l'shem maman harbei, whichever way you want to take the Rosh Tevis. But people figure out how to do it. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. It's commonly done. As a matter of fact, Almost the rule rather than the exception to some they degree. Hate they hate him. Okay, so I, I knew somebody was going to say that. Not always. You're referring to the Chayadam, that the uh, component of the Kibbutz of Aim is the Ava. Yes, however, as we mentioned about four months ago when we went through that, that Sefer Chayadam is brought down by the Chayadam, as Paskin by the Chayadam. Others bring it down. Not everybody brings it down. Libi Aimerli. I'm not arguing the Chayadam. Libi that mistimus lushan of many rishanim, it's not a davar muskim. It's certainly a maila. It certainly will help you, and you keep it on aim. Shaili is is it is a ma'akev. I'm not even convinced the coin to the chayodim and say for chayodim it's ma'akev. I think they're just trying to put forth that it's a very important component, and if you don't have that, you're not working on your ava, then you're not really machshav. Then you're not really makayin the mitzvah kideboy. I don't even think it's ma'akev according to them. I'm certainly not convinced that all the Bishanim and Achayanim agree with the notion, even though the Chayyadam does bring it down La Halacha. It's hard to know. And Yeridea is not mentioned in the Daf, which is, I mentioned at the time we were discussing, is a bit of a pillar to me. You have the Machaber and the Ramah, and you have all the Nesik Halim. Nobody brings it up. So that means they all thought it was Pashat, or they think that they agree it's wonderful and it's an important component, and it'll help you be Makayim, keep it up aim, but it's not. As central as the Chayyadim holds it is. I don't, but he has a right from the Zayar. It's not, I, I, he doesn't have to quote the Chayyadim. He doesn't quote the notion. It's not anywhere in the Daf. I'm not saying it's important, it's even crucial, and the Chayyadim holds Allah Chalamaisa. I'm just saying, A in the Chayyadim, I'm not sure if it's Ma'akev, because you still be Makhaim something, and if you service them, you still be Makhabed them. Number two, Again, Mesimus Lashon the Rishayim the Achreinim and the Sugi and the Gemara. Nobody mentions it. It could be the answer is Sefer Chayim will tell you because it's Pashit. Okay, but either way, it's not Makiv. That's number one. Number two, I don't believe everybody hates their boss. Uh, I, I know what you mean. I think a lot of them, in a mature moment, will say, you know what, the boss is under pressure. We're all under pressure. I'd rather be the boss, but I can't criticize him until I get to his uh, makam, and it's, you know, the old expression is lonely up at the top. Many people say, try me. 
But Lamaisa, it's not easy, and we don't know what other people have in terms of their pressure. And I know a fair amount of people actually get along with their boss, and if they stay in the job long enough, which is a Makas Medina, a uh, good topic for a shear, we're going to get to it. The next two sugyas down on Shabbos afternoon is uh, employee-employee relationships. I'm sure I'll bring this up again. But uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what's going on now, but I've been told by many people that the notion of keeping a relationship long-term in a company is not missing, it's gone. And it's, it's acceptable in a resume now that if you, you know, well, be there for a year or two, but if you're there for four or five years and now you're in your mid-50s and you've been to four or five different companies, that not only doesn't hurt your resume, often it shows that you're well-rounded and you, uh, you were multi-talented and you had different angles at different things. I'm okay with that part. What happened to the loyalty? So I've had many shilas involved in this. That's why I investigated it. They tell me, well, um, they'll, any corporate America, they'll trim when they have to and they'll look at the bottom line and there go 600 employees. They don't have any loyalty to me, so I don't have to loyal to them. Question is, what came first, the chicken or the egg? And I think it's very detrimental to society because, again, my comparison to an employee and employee, it's not an exact comparison, not many chulukim, obviously, but when you're working within a unit, whether it be a family unit or a corporate unit in any job, you have to be working and you have to have a long-term plan and you have to have a relationship with them and there has to be loyalty in both directions. That doesn't mean the parents weren't loyal to you. There's no keep it of aim. That's what we're discussing. That was the adoption issue. They gave you away. How loyal, but again, let's assume they gave you away because they felt they couldn't handle it. They would do worse in this situation if they would keep you. But the whole notion of society of loyalty goes down with the complete breakdown of marriage, that secular society, they don't really believe it's an institution anymore. Certainly... Half the country, certain political parties more than others. Uh, and if, it, if they tried it 50% of the time, it doesn't work. So there can't be a loyalty, a loyalty relationships. I'm in it for me, and this is now, and tomorrow is tomorrow. And that's going to affect Keep It Up Aim in a big way, and it has. Because loyalty is okay. Yeah, my parents, thank you very much, Dad, for having me. Half of them say, I would appreciate it if you didn't, like the guy who, and the euthanasia department uh, in the medical community. This is Amakas Medina as well. And the, the first time in history, when was it, about five, ten years ago, a guy sued for wrongful life. You've heard of lawsuits for wrongful death. They actually revived the guy, and he was livid. And he sued them, and he won. I think he won, no? Remember that case? I'm sure you didn't like it, whatever it was. But he sued for wrongful life, so the answer... Okay, okay, I'm sure he has something, a lawyer has something to go on. But still, he didn't say, thank you very much for saving my life, but now I'm going to sue you. He, like, the, the, the point is, is that people who are the average accursed, I tell you, they're supposed to be triggered, keep it up. First of all, you brought me into the world. So many people would say, no. Who says that was good? And if they're really, I'm done, I'm going to quote the Gemara which is ridiculous. What that Gemara means, the different schmooze. And then they'll say, what have you done for me lately? Like many people then use that for the relationship with the Kosh Baruch Hu. All this leads back to the relationship with the Kosh Baruch Hu. And if you don't have this loyalty and these relationships, you're not going to have it with the Kosh Baruch Hu. It's the same people who say, what has Hashem done for me lately? We said Maidim a year ago. I made a lot of money. Now it's rough. I said Maidim already. What have you done for me lately? That's that common human frailty. Now people do that with parents. And the 
parent-child relationship is doimah to this. This is supposed to be a mitzvah, so we'll mock the very elam, and the akarist atayv, we'll mock what parents did. So the fact that they don't always speak as nicely as they perhaps should, they don't always make the right decisions, and sometimes they don't treat the children as well as they could, and they make mistakes and under pressure, again, to a degree, which we'll discuss, is not a tour. But people today, the same people who feel after three or four years, they could just jump ship. I don't even know how corporations plan for anything if the people that they're depending on are probably not going to be there and the headhunter is going to start calling. I just, the whole environment sounds very toxic to me. But uh, what? It partially it has to do with general short-termism even in the corporate world in terms of uh, you know, quarter to quarter yes. revenue. The, exactly. It, so they're tiny. No, I'm not tiny on the employee versus the employer. I, the employee tells me the employer, as soon as they have a bad quarter, especially if they're a publicly traded company, they got to answer to their investors and we got to cut. Why? Because we got to do something and that's the only thing we could do easily. There are very few companies left that, that, have that don't cut. Right, right. And, and say, but the shail is what caused what? And it's hard to know, but it's. It's not just an economic issue. If it's an issue at all economically, I'm not even sure. Maybe the economy is doing well, and maybe the bottom line isn't affected by this. But the loyalty and the notion that I'm here to help you, you're here to help me in this um, relationship, certainly isn't there at all. It was, a, I guess, a slow change, but uh, a generation ago, two generations ago, People I knew working in corporate, it was a lifetime thing, and once in a while it didn't happen. The people working, if, unless the company didn't exist anymore, were working there 30, 40 years, and that was standard, and that didn't raise eyebrows. That's very rare today. I met a guy in Shul, you probably uh, know him. He was working for IBM. He worked there for 40 years or whatever, and he was just a fixture there. And we had, I, I'm going just to the people who were, who were my parents' generation who were, uh, were working in various fields, they, were, they didn't jump every three, four years. Today, a guy recently told me, it looks bad in the resume, you know, what's the matter? Like, you're stuck in your, stuck in your mode, you gotta, like, think out of the box. Gotta move around. That, that's not, might be okay economically, it's not healthy for building relationships, but it's in tandem with what people are doing with marriages and with Kibbutz Obeim and Mamela, the relationship with the Kosh Baruch And I think it's, um, it's, it's a big problem, and it, it puts pressure on everything we're saying, because why should I have to make this work? Why do I have to have... I don't like what they said. I don't like what they did. Even though they know how to make it work with the boss for the three and a half years they're there. And they'll make it work with the next boss. That, that's the problem. And that's the mysterious nefesh that we're supposed to be trying to put on the agenda, is that you have to make this work unless it's so out of control that you're being emotionally or physically hurt, in which case your putter is Azhamad Patri. And the balance between, as we were discussing after the year, is there are 101 gradations in between. If the child is seeing it right, and when the therapist is seeing one side of the story, you have to try to subtract and add, divide, and try to figure out what the end is. So the first case we had last night, these are all real cases, is a person who described his father as um, very aggressive, self-centered, and abused his mother, who left a few times, emotionally abused his children, specifically this young man, and the type of abuse would range from pushing family members against the wall, that's already physical abuse, uh, to making fun of their parents, their abilities, and their potential, which is just all, these four are the worst things you could do because you can kill a kid's potential self-esteem and sometimes they never recover or they need years of therapy. So it's, it's pretty horrific. Uh, what you mentioned right before Shirm, chances are his father got this from somewhere, maybe his parent, and chances are, and I... 
you don't have to be a world famous uh, psychologist or psychiatrist to know what I'm about to say. And again, we have a lot of listeners. I, I might, if uh, we're not trying to rub it in the wrong way, we're not making uh, generalities that fit every case. I'll make generalities, they don't fit every case. And the people who survived the Holocaust, my disclaimer before I say what I'm about to say, are superstars. We can't even imagine what madriga they were in. And uh, I told over the story here with the Satmarov. And they used to ask him for a bracha. He said, the only bracha for me, go to any shtibo when he rolls up his sleeves to put on tefillin. If he has a number there, ask him for a bracha. What does that mean? That means the Satmarov, who was there and narrowly escaped, understood that anybody who went through that, even for one minute, we can't imagine, let alone a year or two or three or four, uh, deserves uh, many medals of honor for putting on film, keeping his and walking out from. It just uh, it, it boggles the mind. So that's an important disclaimer over here. With that, as we all know, there was often tremendous collateral damage. And Hitler, Yamach Shemoy, will, I would say, burn a Gehenna, but he's not good enough to get into Gehenna. They have something in Pikabola called the Kafakela where if you have an Ashama that's so bad that no amount of Gehenna will clean them up, it's just a gigantic slingshot that just throws an Ashama from one end of the universe to the other and has no manucha. So that's uh, for people like this. So wherever he is, he's not only paying for all the uh, murders and humiliations and bizianus and, uh, and torture and everything else, uh, he's also paying for the fact that we're still living now, three generations later, and I could tell, I get a lot of these shaylas, abuse and uh, marriage problems and parenting issues and uh, keep it on the aim. And I usually, after a few sentences, ask them which one of their parents and grandparents were Holocaust survivors and which camps were they in. I say, how'd you know? I usually could tell by which side of the family who was where, and I usually take an educated guess. I say, it's not their fault, they're superstars and they're incredible people that they went on with life, period, and they were from, and they had children and brought Darius Sharma into the world. That's already off the charts, and they have the best spot in Elam Haba. With that said, if you go through something like this and there's no, just the, you all know stories, these are your parents and grandparents. People wake up still after 50 years of nightmares. Uh, people, it's, the stories go on and on. And that's, that has had collateral damage in terms of uh, what went on sometimes in the house with the children and that was passed on to their children. Uh, Hitler Marshall is going to pay for that also. That doesn't mean uh, they did a great job, by and large, but this is part of it. So when you are mentioning this, when you look at a parent and you want to know the parent is doing this, that, or the other thing, well, people aren't created evil. There's a Hitler and a in there, and this had to have started somewhere. So you say, okay, and this is not Freudian. Freudian, Freud wasn't too firm, and that's an understatement. A lot of what he had was dead wrong. But if this is going on, something's going on with him or her, and sometimes you could trace it to the generation back, sometimes you could trace it to something circumstantial, and sometimes they never learned to work in the Midas, and sometimes uh, it's a mixture of all three. So a child trying to be Makayim Kibar aim has to try to take this into account and they'll be a lot more forgiving and be able to deal with it when they understand where it might be coming from. It's called being dal That's not a chiddush. It's just a how-to in being dal So, over here, if the child's father was still alive, which is not for our story, uh, I would tell him that he doesn't have to engage at all. He could stay as far away as he wanted. He can't handle it and he tried being dal and it's just destroying him. I... This is one case, I, if, if I could verify the child's telling the truth, he wouldn't be high to keep it up in, or keep it up in this case. The particular shy over here was the fact that father died, and 
he wants to know is he mechuyiv to name his son after his father. They have he has many siblings. Some of them did, some of them didn't, and the therapist's conjecture over here is that the girls had it less severe, and the older ones had it less severe. The other one's willing to name after the father, and he's not. Is that okay? And the answer is, I believe it is okay. If he can't come to terms with it, then it's going to cause him to relive all the nightmares every time he mentions the name. <coughs> if it's that bad, and the scar is that deep still, he's not mechuyiv. Yes, it's mechab so it's pretty standard name after parents, but in this case, he's got to function first. And if he wasn't able to be Mizgabra, it's a great script if you can, but if he wasn't able to, then he's not Mechuyiv too. And as I started mentioning last night, to name after somebody like this, with these bad Midas, Meizah Tam and with the Meizah Rishus, I don't want to use the Rishus, but what ended up being Rishus to what he did to the children, um, then you have somebody like that without adding a name or having somebody else in mind say his name was a David uh, I would tell him if he wants to name have David Amalek in mind and have some of the good midas of your father if you could find them but if he says I can't do it I wouldn't uh, press the issue in this particular case physical abuse emotional abuse and not emotional abuse a comment here a comment there which you can put up with your boys you can put up with your parents a bigger mitzvah it's where everything they did you're not good enough and you're horrible and you're this and you're that I'm happy the kid's firm and he's going to a therapist to work it out that's, that's a little miraculous already that's case number one case number two about a year ago his parents came to his house now let me just give you a little chazara. We had this sugi already. Uh, the wife is mishabedes to the husband in many areas, and she has a chiv to honor his parents, the in-laws, and he has a chiv to honor her parents. Uh, the shibud. The only reason I mention the shibud is if the twenty-four hours in the day don't give you the luxury of doing as much for both sets of parents, and the husband wants it assuming all the needs are equal, then the Shebud would come into play. Not that Nogea for over here, you'll see where it becomes Nogea in terms of the Shebud to your spouse in general, husband to wife, and taking care of your wife. For instance, a scenario you probably never heard of. There are cases where daughter-in-laws don't get along with mother-in-laws. Ever hear such a thing? Pretty outlandish, but it happens. So there are many reasons these are very deep binyanim. The Gemara Yavamas recognizes already that uh, talks about the ladies who are kosher ladies or not, and they puzzle certain women, even when it's Makam uh, we allow Edis Isha, which we don't normally allow, if it's one of the mothers, of, uh, one of the wives, uh, Tzara or mother-in-law, people are out to get her, maybe. We don't trust it. Akadekach, like Mara speaks about it. So it's been around as long as mother-in-law jokes have been around. And... I told somebody once, there's a guy I know who tells mother-in-law jokes around his mother-in-law. That's not, a, that's not exactly respectful. Just I'm, That's posh. I wouldn't have to mention that. It shouldn't be told at all. You probably have better things to do like go to Night Seder. But uh, certainly not in front of the in-laws and usually don't send a very positive message. So, about a year ago, his parents came to his house with Cholomite Sukkis and they got into a huge fight with my client's wife. It could have been her parents got into a fight with the son-in-law. This <coughs> After that point, he started talking to me more about his relationship with his parents and complains that they were too oppressive and they were never validating or accepting of him or his wife. Which again, as parents, 
is pretty horrible. You've got to be very careful about that. When your kids get married, everything they do is fine, even if it's not. Unless it's so bad, you've got to mention something, and then you still don't mention something. You go to their rov, or his rebbe, and you tell him to mention something. Just, you have your marching orders. Some people just don't get that. That's like ABC. That's pretty posh. You can really, because a daughter-in-law is going to be a lot more sensitive because she's a daughter-in-law, and a son-in-law is also sensitive. So you can't do that. Even if you have something intelligent to say, you really have to uh, leave out most comments, like 99% of them. And he sort of taking his wife's side, which is probably what he has to do, and um, he said they were never validated except of me or my wife. Some of this is probably true, some of it's probably exaggerated. That was a comment from the therapist, Yaakov. He probably put that in. Uh, but it's true. You've got to be careful what you're accepting as Lashon Hara. A therapist listens to Lashon Hara all day and all night. So you've got to separate what... You can't be macabre fully. You've got to try to help according to and You've got to try to do some research. For the last year, he has never invited his parents for any Shabbos Yantif. That's how bad it got. I've had this from a number of people. This Shaila. It's pretty sad that it can get to this. Like the grandparents' nachas is going to the kids for Shabbos Yantif or inviting them there. They text occasionally and talk on the phone. Better than nothing. At least there's still some line of communication. Usually it ends up in an argument with his parents saying that he has an obligation to include them in his life and that he should speak to their <coughs> rov. This is where case two ends. So he, I don't know if he has a rov. As a matter of fact, the therapist told me he doesn't, so the therapist is asking me. Or I think he wanted to know, can he send them to me? I don't know if the guy called me or not because I get this so often. I don't know if this was the person sent by this particular therapist. Lamaisa, the very difficult balance over here. He is a chiv, keep it of aim. She's mishubed, as I mentioned. So technically she's off the hook. But the husband, who's smart, will give his wife ample opportunity to mechab at her parents and go shopping with her mother and whatever he could do because he wants to be a good son-in-law, make his wife happy. Here, the case happens to be where it's his parent, still the full chiv, and she should try her hardest to swallow the comments and understand the great chashivas of kibbutz of in-laws and, more importantly, helping the husband to his derisa. With that said, if it's not working, and they keep trying and trying and trying, it's not working in a big way, the question posed to me often is, Allah do I side my parents or my wife? Which is a decision nobody should have to make, but sometimes that happens. It depends on one factor. Is the wife out of line most of the time with the parents? I've seen both. Sometimes 50-50, sometimes 90-10. Problem, I know what you're all thinking, is what happens if it's the wife, 90-10, is out of line most of the time in the relationship? Who's going to tell her? So often it can't be the husband because they're not going to survive that situation. So then you've got to call her Robinson or her Rav and, and figure that out. And there are many gradations in between you don't have to sacrifice the marriage for the kibbutz of aim. If Lamaisa, even if she's wrong, your wife, and it's not working, and his parents are telling him, you better ask your rov because you're not doing kibbutz of aim very well because you're not inviting us, which is pretty bad. Allah Lamaisa, though, if he tried and tried and tried and his marriage is at stake or his wife's going to be so miserable she's not going to function, it's going to affect the mood of the house and the kids and him, he's not mechuyiv, which is sad but then it wouldn't be mechuyiv. But before you jump on that heter, it's got to really be worked on, and if you get in touch with the right people who could explain it to her and it's not the husband, the defense mechanism will go down a little bit, 
uh, they'll be able to work it out. And it should be worked out because I have a situation where the parents are being locked out and you're down to text and a, and a phone call. is still better than nothing, but it should be worked on because the Kippur of Aim is too important and, of course, the Shalom Bites is too important. And Mitzvah Shem, uh, next week we will get to case number three and then we will go on to something simpler like uh, being the Chabed, the twins, which I promise to get back to.